Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Whoa. That was legit. I did not no. know what that was going to do. That was cool, though. <laughs> that gave me a little goosebumps on my on my. Yeah, fingers. that was awesome. That was awesome. It's uh, Jared and J- I. I feel like every time someone talks about this podcast, the the order of our names flips. Right there, it was Jared and Jabo on our header. It's Jabo and Jared. I don't know what the answer to this question is going to be, but it, apparently, just going to flip every time that we ever talk about it. So <laughs> we got to figure it. It's stressing me out. We got to figure this out. We got to nip it on the butt right away. Yeah, we got to get to the bottom of it. And then we have to get some cohesive branding here where every time someone makes something, it's the same and not flipping back and forth. But either way, welcome to uh, J-Bo and Jared here on uh, the Iowa Everywhere Podcast Network. Uh, Of course, it's a big week. It's Cyhawk Week here in the state of Iowa. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, There's some other things I think that we want to talk about surrounding uh, just Iowa and Iowa State football in general. And, of course, we've got some other stories to, to cover here uh, throughout the show. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? How, is, uh, how are you doing this week? I, I felt like we got pretty good reception last week. It seems like you've made some inroads with the Cyclone fans, so that's a positive. I'm, I'm chipping away over here. This is me all last two weeks, just chipping away, chipping away. I, I mean, I felt, I felt really happy about our first show. I think we got a lot of good feedback, and – now, like I keep saying, I, I think this thing could be, you know, huge. I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, let's uh, let's dive into this game here coming up first. Oh, first, I, we do need to shout out our friends at Prairie Meadows, who are the presenting sponsors of our all of our Cyhawk discussion this week on Iowa Everywhere. Uh, link up with the folks out there at Prairie Meadows. Get on the Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, make your bets on the game. I'm sure they've got all kinds of great specials coming up this week. I'm sure it would be a really fun place to go and watch the game uh, on Saturday. A lot of other games going on uh, Saturday afternoon as well. So go check them out out there at Prairie Meadows in Altoona. Uh, how do you feel coming into Cyhawk week, man? Obviously, uh, I I think that it was not an overly encouraging day for you guys on Saturday. Man, I don't, I don't know even what to say about both sides of the aisle here. I don't, I don't. This is probably the most, most anticipated, least anticipated football game ever for Cyhawk rivalry. I don't even know how to explain it. I really don't. I think that it's just both teams match up really well, you know, and no one is really talking about either one of them. So that's what kind of makes it exciting is it's just a bunch of different guys. You know, it's like new people that you haven't have recycled over year over year. You know, obviously Iowa State had Brock Purdy and all those guys these last couple of years that had been through it. And now it's just a whole new cast of characters. And that kind of makes it fun. You know, like a bunch of new people are going to have an opportunity to put their stamp on the rivalry. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I didn't watch much of Iowa State last week, but it was tough to watch Iowa. You know, I feel like there's just so much – already emphasis put on the Iowa offense that it made it even worse that how they performed. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I was somewhat shocked, but at the end of the day, that's what Kirk Ferentz has always been like. They've always been very defensively ordinated um, or defensive dominated. And, you know, for, for them, I feel like to be Iowa or Iowa state this upcoming week, 
Um, I think I, I think it comes down to punting again. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> how they beat South Dakota State? That's how it came down to. Yeah, I was looking. Uh, I was going back through uh, the last several years of Cyhawk games, and I got about. I think I got three years into it, and I was counting the number of times I was or Iowa had started inside of Iowa State territory and scored a touchdown, and in something like 30 drives, they'd had like 12 times where they started in Iowa state territory and drove in and scored a touch. And like, that's how big and important punting and turnovers are in this game. And whoever wins both of those battles is probably going to win the football game, which is really annoying. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you playing against Iowa and having those be the two things that make the difference is super annoying. Well, especially punting, you guys really had that uh, tough go around. I forgot who was receiving the ball and who ran into. Oh man, I always get the names mixed around, but that that will probably live in Iowa, Iowa State football (laughs) history. Well, and the like, the crazy thing is, it was pretty inconsequential too. Like where Iowa State was gonna have like forty seconds to go and score to try and win the game, which I mean, I conceivably could have happened. I think that they they were only down by a point, so it's like you just need to get a field goal, but. Yeah, when that happened, it was just so deflating where it's like, man, not like this couldn't have gotten any worse than what it, but somehow it did. Uh, yeah, I I think of that one. And then even last year, like Brock gets, you know, they put Brock on the bench, brought in Hunter Deckers late in that game. He'd thrown three interceptions. Breeze Hall had had the uh, fumble that got returned for a touchdown. It was just debilitating. And it was like all of the guys that you had gotten used to rooting for that had been so good for you. And then they're the ones that kind of, uh, end up laying the egg in the rivalry, and that was really yeah, that was tough, man. I hate that. I hate this game. I'm not gonna lie. I hate it. I, I hate when these two teams play each other. It's gonna be fun though. I, I you know, it pretty much. I feel like in the second half, it's gonna be a night game too in Kinnick, so that's gonna be adding adding to the atmosphere. Those are always you know somewhat fun. I, I'm assuming actually it's three o'clock. I think it's three o'clock kickoff, so it probably won't be yeah. night. But well, I mean, it'll probably be the sun will be going down. You know, yeah. it'll be it'll be not. I here here's one thing I will say. Iowa State played at one. On Saturday, 1 o'clock p.m. is an elite kickoff time. I don't think it gets better than 1 p.m. Because it's like 11 a.m. here. It's a little too early. Everybody's got to be there at the ass crack of dawn. 1 1 p.m., you know, you can be there. 10 o'clock, you get the game gets over around 5. You're back home. The sun's still up. It's magical. I don't think it gets better than that. But I don't know. Those those night kinetic games, I've been – I went to – we would always have practice, like the halftime of – um games for basketball so we were or, or it would be like before the game so we, we could never like experience really the true aspect of like tailgating right. and all that stuff like a normal college or college kid could do but i do remember we went to uh the only only game i had the opportunity to go we had uh it was at it was against penn state that's when they had a uh, um saquon barkley oh man uh, and he leaped over i forgot who he leaped over on the sideline um, and that's when they, they also threw that touchdown pass yeah. during the game at the end of the game that they caught in the end zone. It was it was unbelievable. Like it was just even though they lost, it was the coolest experience I've ever. I can't imagine like doing that. You know, year after year going to these night games. I just think that atmosphere. Anytime the lights are on, it. I mean, it, on top of playing a really big team, it, it always adds stuff to it. Yeah. So that day, I remember watching that game. I'd gone to uh, Nebraska and Rutgers with one of my friends. Uh, 
and we'd been drinking all day, man. And that's, a, that's a that's great to football. Game. Oh yeah, it was it was electric. Uh, but we we went to Nebraska Rutgers, and all day we'd been sitting out in the sun. We were drunk, and my friend, we were gonna go meet up with my other friend at the rail yard in Lincoln, and we get up to him, and he's like, "Yo, we're watching the Iowa game. We're turning up right now, right here." And me and my other friend were just like shit dude like we've been sitting out in the sun all day but he was just adamant and we stood and watched that iowa game and everyone by the end everyone in the crowd and in lincoln was throwing their drinks in the air and all this stuff going crazy when iowa lost the game and i was like okay i guess it was kind of worth it to stay out here this was kind of fun but yeah yeah that was a that was a crazy game um all right i do want to ask you some some questions about uh some of the stuff that happened on saturday not directly related to the you know, the ins and outs of the football of it, but it's kind of the human aspect of the sport. Um, Spencer Petrus had a tough day on Saturday uh, and, and heard all about it, I think, from the fans, you know, and I think there's probably fans out there that would argue they're booing the coach or they're booing, you know, the ent- entire team or anything like that. As an athlete, as someone who has been, you know, obviously you represented the university of Iowa and, and have, are really close to this situation. When you saw that, what, what was your reaction? What did you yeah, think? You know, it, it's a really good question, Jared. I think the, what I first think about is just is Spencer. Cause I'm, I'm actually pretty close to him and know him pretty well. He actually helped me with, um, we kind of worked with each other with NIL last year and trying to get that pass worked on a um, state bill. So I got to know him really well last year actually. And, so I know like off the field, he is a very genuine, good, kind hearted dude. And a lot of what a lot of people don't see, obviously, is what I saw off the, off the field last year. So, you know, that, that's always taken it to, it to impact effect when you see a guy like that. And I mean, I would imagine a lot of guys were booing him based off the performance he had. And, you know, it's tough anytime you have a guy like that that's close and you want him to do well. But. You know, it's almost like added to everything. You know, I, I, I saw a really good argument on Twitter actually about this. And, you know, at first I was like really pissed off at some fans that'd be doing that. And and I totally understand, you know, what their side is. They want to win the game. And there's a lot riding on these games, obviously. Um, but they were talking about how NIL kind of progressed these last, you know, especially these last few months. And Iowa and Iowa State, you know, especially have you know these collectives that they push for so many months the last couple of months of giving these athletes money all these boosters coming out and supporting these athletes at each of these schools so it's almost like it's gotten to that point where it is kind of we're not employees but they're playing a sport and they're getting paid for it and so i i saw one of these guys arguments saying that these guys are getting paid or asking for all this money for these last few months to go to these events to get paid for you know playing football at iowa you know, blah, blah, blah. So I honestly see that point of that, that side of the argument because they are, they're, they're asking for all this money. So they should be playing up to their A game every single game. And I totally understand that, but I just think there, there's two sides to both stories. And I think I, I could definitely listen to both those arguments. I think that it's hard to, like, I understand where someone is coming from when they want to make that argument and say, Oh, you know, it's holding people accountable. You know, like, I think that's what on some level people would try and argue it's, uh, we're holding them accountable for their performance. And if these people want to get paid and they want to get, then they're going to get treated like professional athletes. But like the question I always come back to is like, who's holding these people accountable? What does booing do? Booing doesn't do anything. It doesn't, I don't think it does anything productive. In fact, I would say 
the odds that Spencer Peaches were, was going to come out after getting booed and all of a sudden be a world beater and be like, and have it completely flipped his confidence and he completely changes his mindset. Like that just doesn't seem very likely, you know, in my mind. And that's where I feel like it's counterproductive because you want to like, you want to be supportive of your team and you want to be helping your team do well. But at the same time, they do something that you don't like. So now you're going to turn on them and, like jeer against them you know and like that just doesn't make any sense to me and then two i don't understand like the the infatuation some people have with like thinking that athletes need to be held accountable for things like by the media and people like that i don't know man like it's a game bro you know like that's what i always come back to and i'm just like oh why aren't you going at matt campbell for this or why aren't you going at you know when steve brome was here or when even now with TJ, like, why aren't you going to him for this? And I'm just like, I don't know, man, because I'm not like in the white house press briefing room. Like I don't see a reason to be out here grilling people on these things, you know? And I guess that's maybe where my mindset of it is different than what a fan would be. But I think when you see these people and like, you know, you talk about, you have a friendship with, uh, with Spencer, it's like, or you get to meet different people and like you start to, you know, like them it's like man i think this guy's a good guy you don't want to see them fail you know like i'm i don't know that's where it's it's difficult a fan doesn't get to get that interaction where you start to build up a rapport with someone to where you support them in that same way if that makes sense sorry i kind of went on a rant there but i was trying to connect the two thoughts no you made a lot of good points i i do i do i really like with everything that went on with first of all there i guess there's two things before i bring up this point i think Going to a college football game should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It should not be something, you know, just picking up back off what you're saying. It should not be something that's taken so seriously that you personally get upset by it and it affects your day. I understand you probably, you guys, you know, a lot of these fans, they go and spend a lot of money, Iowa, Iowa State fans, to go to these games, to, you know, road trip with their families, to be there and experience that atmosphere. But at the end of the day, I mean, what what are you truly going there for? It's not to hold, you know, this college kid accountable that's dealing with so much. You know, he's playing in front of eighty thousand people, sixty. I don't even know how many hold sixty, seventy thousand people. He has to deal with millions of people on social media critiquing his game that are watching him on ESPN, on CBS, on ABC, and you know, all these. National he's been a laughing stock the last two days yeah. his, since his QBR. The the graphic came out with the one point one qbr like people are making him into a joke you know and that it's it's just too bad you know because that is there is the human element of it still where it's like spencer's gonna be doing a lot of things for a long time where he will never be associated with playing quarterback for the iowa hawkeyes you know and it's like then these people will just be making jokes about him and stuff like i i feel bad about that you know yeah and I, I think it, there, it adds to the human aspect. Like, he's not always going to be this Iowa quarterback, Spencer Petras. Like, he's going to move on to something else in his life. But I feel like a lot of these people that are taking these games so seriously, is they're always going to be referring to him as that Iowa quarterback that, you know, stunk for a few years or stunk for a couple games. Like, they'll never let that go. And that's because they've held these games so personal. But um, the other point I wanted to make uh, was also Jack Campbell, who – uh, came out on in support for Spencer Petrus and Iowa, the Iowa team as a whole. I think that really shows how together the team is. Anytime you have any teammate backing anyone on the team, you know it, it can be very easily to critique guys and to get upset of people, especially of the storm of 
playing midseason and all the distractions around around you. So I thought that was really cool to see, and also really cool, you know, Kirk Ferentz backing him, you know, one hundred percent after after the game too, and before the game, so he has complete confidence in him. And he's not tearing anyone down. How many times do we see college coaches tearing, you know, their own players down, or you know, players tearing other players down? It, it, I think that's that speaks volumes to where the team is at, you know, chemistry wise. Well, I think it's kind of a perfect example of that we were talking right before we started i wasn't even gonna bring this up but brian kelly like what you know we were talking about him right before we got started and uh he had the quote at halftime the other night where it's like well we can't play any worse but this is my first game so i guess i don't know and i'm like i sit there and i'm like man like what does that you know i'm in the media so it's like i want people to be interesting at the end of the day like if you're interesting it makes my job more fun but it's like Sometimes I just sit there and wonder why these people who are supposed to be the leaders, you know, the, and the ones that are supposed to be held accountable for things, like the, they're not the one, like they'll answer a question and they'll throw someone under the bus, you know, and it's always, uh, Scott Frost does this too, all the time. He's always throwing people under the bus for different things. And I just sit there and it's like, man, this is why your team doesn't win. You know, like this is why you because you don't even hold yourself accountable, let alone holding your team accountable and holding people on your team. And that's just I, that's again, I'll like I'll like you said, I'll give Jack Campbell credit for that. I'll give Kirk Ferentz credit for that. I don't I'll be honest as an analyst. I don't know how if I would want to keep putting Spencer Petras back out there like that was my thing that I thought even during the game on Saturday that. You know, from a pure confidence standpoint, like to keep putting him out there with some of the struggles he was having and I. I don't know what they've got with Alex and stuff like that, but it's just, there comes a point where I feel like there's a line between like your coach having the utmost confidence in you and having, uh, you know, all the trust in you that they can possibly have, but then also not putting you in positions to succeed, you know? And that's like where I feel like there's a, I don't know. That was where I felt like there could be a dichotomy there and what was happening. I don't know. I would be interested in your opinion on that, but that was my perspective as an outsider, I suppose. See, my thing is Spencer Petras and Kirk Ferentz backing him after this offseason and after how last year went with him getting benched and Padilla coming in. There must be honestly, it's not like Kirk Ferentz is a stupid coach. He doesn't know right. what he, like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's one of the longest tenure coaches in Iowa history. If not, I think he is maybe the longest. You know, he went he goes back all the way to my when my dad had played quarterback for he was on the staff one of his first years in 82 Rose Bowl. Like I, he's he has so much experience at this Big Ten Power Five conference level that he must there must be something that is reasoning that Spencer Petras is on the field over no one else. Like he's a dumb coach. That's that's what I always say to like anyone that always, you know, my friends that are giving him hate or something for not putting the best players on the field. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he does know what he's doing. Yeah, and his job's on the line too. You know, I mean, like Kirk Ferentz isn't going to get fired. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, Brian Ferentz probably isn't going to get fired at this point either, you know. So it's like their job, but their jobs are still on the line and they're still the ones that have to be able to put a good team out there. And if they felt like it was counterproductive to what was going to be good for the team, I mean, and then they were still actively doing it, then that's where you have to have a conversation of like, is Kirk Ferentz the right guy to be the head coach, you know, but like, I don't think that he would do that. He's got a too good, like too long of a track record to. He had, he deserves some benefit of the doubt on some level, you know. And I I know that the, even if it has been several years, like there is some level of benefit of the doubt. I don't know. It would not shock me at all if that offense came out and was fucking awesome on Saturday. Like I'm just gonna be completely honest. It, I, I'm I almost half expecting either. it. Half expecting <laughs> it. 
<laughs> is that what I would say? Fans are like, you know, well, here's the thing. Like, either maybe Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz are just geniuses. They just had the worst game possible. Because how are you going to scout? How are you going to scout them? You're the defense right. of Iowa State. Like, what are you watching for film? There's nothing to watch. They didn't have right. an offense game. Well, I mean, I feel like at the same time, this is from my perspective. If I'm Iowa State or if I'm any team playing them, I'm sitting there. I'm like, we're putting nine people in the box until Spencer Petras proves that he can make a throw to somebody. And if he can't prove that he can make a throw to somebody, then like we're going to stand up here in the box. We're going to send a bunch of heat at him every single time that he drops back to pass. And we're going to clog up everything for the run game. And I think if, if Iowa state does that, I think Iowa state is going to win the game. I think if they do that and they stay aggressive on offense, I think that they will win because I, the thing is they don't have like the great offensive line either at Iowa. They last year, they struggled with it this year. You saw no, let's not put it all on Spencer Peters. He didn't have the best. Oh game, yeah, but the offensive line in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, or his he, receivers. He, he doesn't yeah. have any time to throw to anyone. On top of you know, who's he going to throw to? You know, it's just it's a it's a two way. I feel like it's a two way streak too because you got to hold the offensive line accountable. You got to protect your quarterback. You got to have time for him to make a decision. And it's not like he has a terrible arm. You know, he's overthrowing. He he has he has a capable arm. You just have to have feel like a little more time to make the throw. Yeah, some accuracy, you know, like have some time. Or if you're not immediately having someone banging you in the chin, you know, you can step back and make a throw and be a little more calm. I think that, uh, you know, it just looked fast for him. Like he made some yeah. of those throws. Things just looked really fast. And I think I think anybody who's been an athlete has been in a situation where they've been in a game and it's like all of a sudden things feel like they're moving a million miles an hour, you know. Like I remember – you know, this I was playing Division three. It's a lot different than playing in the you know playing Division still, one. Still college, college football. though. It's still yeah, different but level. That first time you go up that level and you're playing in a college game, and it's like holy shit, man! Like everything yeah. you're doing is almost on instinct. Like it's not about being a good player or anything like that. You're just like out there trying to survive on some level, you know. And that's where you know he's been a he's a veteran, so. You know, that shouldn't can, happen. Yeah, yes, should, it shouldn't happen. But at know. the same time, things can spiral on you, and all of a sudden, you're in a scenario where it's like, man, you just lose control of what's going on, and you you stop being able to perform at the level you need to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I think first, the I think the emphasis should be, you know, as I think Spencer Peters has he's had capable games. It's not like it's not there. I think the emphasis should be on the offensive line heavily this week, and I'm sure that's what they're doing. Heavily supporting Spencer Peters to get his confidence back, to make, you know, that quick slant pass that Kirk Ferentz is known for, those five yard passes, and get his confidence back to be able to have that breakout game that, you know, he's done it before. I think it's just his confidence level is, you know, has to be at an all time high or all time low after what just happened. All right, let me ask you this: who you who you picking to win? What's your prediction? I mean, I I, I can't pick Iowa State, you know? <laughs> but I'm not I'm not confident on Iowa. That's the thing. The only yeah. thing that is supporting Iowa is is that Iowa. So I, I not unbiased as much as unbiased I can be. I'm going with Iowa just because it's at <laughs> as Iowa. unbiased as I can be. But I have to pick Iowa. I, well, it, I do. I'm, I'm not going to come out here and say it. Yeah, I think no, Iowa State's no. going to win. I know. I get it. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Uh, it's tough I, though, man. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think it's going to be a really good game. I. For some reason, I've got a confidence that Iowa State's going to win, but that's probably a bad thing. Like, that's kind of – all day I've been like, man, I almost feel too confident, you know. So, we'll When's see. the last but, time Iowa State won at, at Kinnick? Do you have the stat The last on? time they won, 2014. 20, that was so about 10 years ago? Nine, eight, yeah, nine years yeah, ago. Yeah, I've never covered the team while they beat Iowa. Uh, are you, are you the uh, – 
Are you uh, the unlucky one then? Or is that why they haven't beat Iowa yet? Well, I hope not. I hope that's not, <laughs> that's not why. Uh, I do think that they would have played a good game in 2020 when, when COVID canceled it. That probably would have been a good one. Oh, so that, yeah, I forgot about that. That kind of threw a, a wrench into it. but And that one would have been in Kinnick too. So that would have been an interesting game. But uh, no, I don't, I don't think I'm unlucky. There's been good. some really weird games during this stretch though. Like they went to the one that – was in overtime where uh, it was all back and forth. Akram Wadley had the long run at the end to force Mm -hmm. overtime. There was the game with the like three hours of rain delays. Uh, Oh yeah. That was at Iowa State, wasn't it? Yeah. In 2019, that game was, was crazy too. There was a, there was a rain delay in the middle of the first drive of the game. Mm. And it was like everything down was downhill from there. But no, that, I think it should be a fun game. I hate going to Iowa City. I'll be over there on Saturday. Are you uh, are going? Yeah, I'm making the trek. I feel like I'm going to the Lions Den every time that I have to go over there. Dude, man. just imagine you as much as you feel like. Imagine like if I would go to Ames and say, "I think you're going to be okay." <laughs> it could uh, be worse. It could be worse. Lions dens. What? Who do you think had it tougher last year? You coming into Ames or Chris Beard going to Lubbock uh, to play cool. at Texas Tech? that's a tough one i don't know man i i it was tough for i liked it because i like being that this year so i i enjoyed i enjoyed that but mm-hmm. you know having my family there i that part wasn't as fun no we we had to make sure there's extra support there for that yeah well <laughs> but i, I know like i, think, like, I would okay. like to think no one would do that but i i understand the concern too at the same time yeah I don't know. It, it was tough, especially, you know, I, I, I never really talk about it, but especially what happened, you know, downtown Iowa city with the ex Iowa state football player, it was just tough for, you know, I was okay, but my mom, knowing my mom being the sweet, right. she was, I told them just not to come because I think it was going to be the best option. And, you know, I ended up getting the F Bohan and chant the whole game, but yeah. I, I loved it. If I could do it all over again, I would go back and relive that game, even though we lost. <sighs> It was pretty crazy, man. That was a pretty crazy one. Were that was chanting? as angry. Were you oh no, no, I wasn't oh, chanting. I was sitting on press know. row, man. I'm not gonna be up there <laughs> chanting on press row. Jared's back there clapping. Yeah, yeah. I'm applauding them. I'm rooting. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, cheering them on. No, I. Uh, that that game was fun. That was as angry of a Hilton Coliseum crowd as I can remember. The only time that the ang- they have the angry crowds is like when Kansas comes. Everybody hates Bill Self, so they all get angry when Bill Self comes. But uh you got you brought the anger out of them so kudos to you for doing that i guess dude i remember walking out of the tunnel after (laughs) like the very first time i went out on the court early to see when you walked down the court because i knew that there would be it would be like that yeah yeah it was so funny my teammates were like laughing and i was glad we got some enjoyment out of that i i don't know we i feel like a lot of some of the younger teammates on my team were a little like not like frazzled, but they're a little, they're a little hesitant that game. So I think, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the kind of the distraction around me kind of, fra- I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was just a bizarre game. Like well, looking then, back on it. And two, Iowa state had one of those teams that like, if you were a little bit hesitant, they were going to take advantage of that, yep. you know? And just with the guy, I mean, with like with IZB and, mm-hmm. you know, even Tyrese, just like the physicality. And like, I know that those were guys, it's like, we're coming at you you know and of yeah. course i get fucking my second foul i didn't even talk all right for only thing i'll say about this game all right here we go i'm getting literally i the guys guarding me could have went to jail for what they're doing on me 
and I get two little ticky tack, one charge foul because I think oh Gabe Kalsher flopped, and then the next time down he backed me down and missed a, a fadeaway jumper, and they called they said I slapped him on the arm. And just like that, I had to sit for 12 minutes of the first half. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I was so heated at the refs. But again, the refs were so throughout college basketball, that was the worst refing job they had they had across the board. I will live to that this game day. was no, like refs across the board in college basketball last year. They had they oh, had a really yeah. bad year. They yeah. had a really oh, bad horrible year. year. Horrible year. Yeah. They needed they needed to all come together and release a statement apologizing for all the teams they fucked over. Did you how much of uh like just the general Big Twelve season did you get a chance to watch any of it? It was hard year? to watch. Yeah, dude, it was impossible to watch. You some couldn't of those watch nights. it. Oh yeah, I mean, and it it was every team too. It's not, not even like it was one bad game. basketball. Like it was just no. it was poorly officiated. Yeah, it it was basketball at like its most uh the I don't even know most just like aggressive level that it could possibly be of being able to grab people and, and inhibit people on cuts and things yeah. like that. And that to me, like I love a lot of things about college basketball and the way that college basketball is constructed compared to the NBA, but there has to be something done to limit some of the physicality of which they're allowed to play the game because Easily. it turns, it turns every game into a rock fight instead of being a, and then all of a sudden you get to the NCAA tournament and NCAA tournament, you don't know how people are going to yeah. officiate games. So then like, you know, someone like Texas tech or West Virginia back in the day, they could play a whole game and they're able to play the way that they normally play. And then all of a sudden it's an NCAA tournament. You're playing for a national championship and you can't play that way anymore. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's unfair on both sides where it's like teams that don't normally play that way come in your league and they try and play against you with their your officials and it's going to be a bad night. But then when they've got to do that, it's the same way, you know? Yeah. I truly believe the big, that's why the big 10 strong. I'm not making any excuses for the big 10. We should, we are, we should be able to do a lot better in the NCAA tournament than what we've been doing. But I honestly think refing and officiating has been a big cause of that because one, exactly what you just said, Jared, there is different ways they call each game. It is in each of the three refs all call it differently. So you never know how they're going to call it. One half could be totally different than the second half. And then you get in these NC tournament games, you don't know what to expect. I mean, you look in the national championship game, usually they're like a slugfest. There's nothing called. There's easy foul calls that should be called. You're bumping cutters, like stuff that is not legal in basketball that you get away with. You look at like a team like Illinois, how dominated they were like dominant they were these last two years in the big 10 and they struggle in the NCAA tournament because they can't play the way they play in the big 10 because i mean they all just grab shove you push you like they get, get they get away with all that because they can't th this is literally what they'll say that they 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 do so much of it the rest will i, I swear to god this is what they would say they, they do it every possession so we can't call it every possession I've heard that from a ref say that to Coach McCaffrey before. And I'm standing there next to him. I'm like, how the hell is that an argument saying you – just because they're foul every time down the court, they're not going to call it? Well, and it's just like in football when people are like, there's holding on every play. How can they call it on every play? You yeah. know, well, just, just call it. Like, don't let it right, get just, away. Like, don't let don't let them get away with it from the very beginning, and then it doesn't become an issue. Exactly. If you call fouls on them right at the beginning of the game, they're not going to play that way the whole game. Like, that's right. that's the point. You know, yeah. okay. Be honest here. Who's one official that walks in on a given night and you, you lean back, you see him come in, he's got his black coat on, he's jogging up and down, getting his stretches in. And you're like, Oh shit, we're in for a long Paul night. Zelk. Zelch. I don't, Paul Zelk. Zelch. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I don't, I don't he, know. He is, 
Uh, he teed me up on senior night. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got literally, I, I, I wish we could pull up the highlights. I literally got a, the felony should have been called on this guy. Tackle to the ground on a three pointer. And I, I, I never, I think this is my first technical ever in my entire life. I've never gotten a technical before. And I just screamed at the official call that I didn't even say F I didn't say anything. I, I just said, call that he teamed me up right away. But he had he been bad before that, or was it just that one night that he was like he was having having a bad day or something like that? He's had he's like he's had individually wise he has it out against Iowa. I I don't know. I think he bets against Iowa. I'm I'm. Have you watched the Tim Donaghy? Yes, dude. Oh man, that happens way more than people say. I I don't care what anyone says. This happens all the time. I feel like it could in college basketball with how many officials there are too. There's so many guys that are out there that, you know, could do some stuff like that, you know, and how would they ever get caught? You know, especially now with having the apps and things like that, different people could make bets for people. And it's so much easier to, to get around those things. I feel like that's something that has not been discussed enough about legalizing sports betting is how easily some of these people could be influenced. Dude, I, I'm I I'll take this to my grave. College officiating is this is probably single. a bad time to talk about this with Prairie Meadows just oh jumping on. God. We don't think anyone, <laughs> any of our great <laughs> folks at Prairie Meadows are involved <laughs> in point shaving with college basketball. We're just we're speaking hypothetically <laughs> completely. All of all of the top VIP members from Prairie Meadows are all college officials. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, no, honestly though, shout out Prairie Meadows, but I I honestly think. I'll take this to my grave. College officiating is single-handedly the most corrupt business profession of all professions. Oh, man, I think I could probably think of a few that maybe nope. would. Nope. Nope. You're, you're convinced. Um, I, most of those I, guys like don't even do it for a full-time job either. It's just like they just That's do it what I'm fun. saying. It's corrupt. Yeah. I, we, have a, we had a uh, captain of Fort Lauderdale Police uh, as one of our Big Ten officials. <laughs> Jared, tell me, tell me how we can have a captain of a Florida police station as our Big Ten official. Love the guy. He's one of my favorite rest, but – there's something a little corrupt about this. I mean, there's even, you know, John Higgins, he's got, he's like a roofer. Like he does roofs yeah. or something like that. But, but man, Hollywood Higgins is one of the best in the business. Like no one can tell me that he's not. You got, you got me, you got me on a topic I shouldn't be talking about, but yeah, yeah this is. I was going to say, we did not plan on talking about this. All <laughs> of a sudden you got me ranting about big 12 basketball officiating. The thing uh, is like, I've seen it like. I've seen it firsthand of how corrupt it can be. I, I've seen it. I know it's corrupt. I've, I've What's one game you two. think that the officials, they, they prevented you from winning because they had the fix was in? Be honest. Look, come on, let's hear it. What game was, was the fix in? I mean, I have to think back. Uh, I played so many damn games, Jerry. Well, that's true. To, yeah, seven um, years if, of, of memories here to think through. Yeah. If I were to look back at games, I would say 20, 20% of the – only going only going off losses. I would say twenty percent of the games that I've lost has been fixed by the officials. <laughs> How many games do you think you guys lost in your career? Probably like what? You played what six years? Probably six, like 50, 55, I, something I've played, like that. Played uh, like what one hundred and six fifty five sixty games? I think. Holy shit, 100, dude. We've lost so many college basketball games, bro. That's, that's like what two I'm full saying. seasons of NBA. It's, of an it's NBA not, season. It, it's, Jared, it's not like I'm saying this as zero college basketball experience. Like, no, I've I believe seen you. It. I was I've gonna say now, these... once you said that many games, that's a lot. Like, even twenty percent of your losses wouldn't be that many games. 
you know I've, yeah exactly and i've seen officials like how they talk to these coaches like i've okay we're, we're gonna we're gonna go fat but rewind for a second you got me all heated up on this no i got you go go do your thing bro you're gonna hear me out <laughs> no i'm listening i'm hearing you out bro i believe you i'm listening i'm listening okay so two years ago during the covid big 10 tournament right um we played was that the a, year you stole the you stole the mat from the NCAA no, no, tournament? no that was like that was like eight years before that okay am, okay yeah, a long time ago um do you remember when Juwan Howard literally threatened? Oh yes, threat, yeah. He threatened to kill Coach Turgeon, threatened to kill him. Yeah. Literally, first off, how is that not like? A, how do you not charge for that? Like you literally are. I think he did. He swing at him. I don't even remember what happened. I can't even remember exactly what happened. I think that was. I thought last he just week. like he walked down the the court at him or something. Yeah. Okay. Even okay. Well, I, that reminded me of the Juwan Howard the next year after that. Well, I was just say Juwan has now built up a little bit of a track record of some of these things right. at this point. So. Right, but he okay. So Coach McCaffrey. I still got a lot of respect for Juwan Howard, though. I do want to say that. No, I think yeah, I love Juwan Howard. Coach. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but he does stuff like that. Coach Guard criticized the officials during the Big Ten tournament. If Coach McCaffrey, I'm sticking up with Coach McCaffrey. Yes, I'm going to be biased because I played with him for 25 years. He he says one thing he gets fine like he he had that multiple times in in his career. The I, I honestly think there's some like sort of quirk in the big in the officiating crew and the head of officials that some or the big I don't know I have no idea how it exactly works behind the scenes. With the well, big I mean, I'm offense, sure people but, do build up a reputation because I mean Coach McCaffrey's been there a long time. You know he's okay. So I'm but, sure that they do get told to officiate people in certain ways, but it, I do understand where you're saying there is a double standard for certain people. Like I, yeah. I certainly think that that is fair. Yeah. But okay. Juwan Howard, he threatened to kill coach Turgeon. Nothing happened. He didn't get, he didn't get anything he suspended from any games. Nothing. Dude, but think how, come on, man. Oh, like, yeah, I'm not how done. many times <laughs> have you heard someone on a basketball court? I'm going to kill you, bro. Come on. So not, not literally. He literally said he was going to kill him. Like he had that look in his eye. You saw how he, he reacted. Had that, he, he, had <laughs> he had the had craziest that look, look in his eyes. <laughs> and at one point he said, "Let's get it on." <laughs> I was talking about the fight. No, okay, but think about building up the track or the track record. He, the next year, he literally he had a coach. Yeah, and he yeah, got he suspended. Did. Like what? He didn't get suspended the rest of the year. You he literally did get suspended someone. for the rest of the season, didn't he? The po- the regular season, he was coaching. Yeah, the they came back in the tournament. Yeah, he came back in the tournament. Yeah. I don't Man. know. I Man, just think there's, tough, dude. there's. I, a I didn't lot know going you on. held such animosity towards the Big Ten officials, uh, dude. I, yes. I'm, but I guess it's it's understandable. I mean, okay, and you'll you'll feel this one. I'm ranting. I know. I'm sorry, all the Iowa State fans. No, you're good. You're good. Jared. Do your thing, dude. I, I I just had to get this off my chest, and you guys will. All the Iowa State fans will hear me out on this one too, especially. You, oh, Jared. we hate the officials, dude. I I love hearing you say this oh, because yeah. it's it's fuck officials forever, dude. Like, exactly. That's, that's my motto forever. And I do want to say before I say this last thing that they it's a really hard job. Don't get me wrong, but it is very doable for them to make the right calls. But anyway, uh, Brad Davids, you guys played against him in the Big Ten tournament. Oh yeah, oh, great yeah. guy off the floor. I don't know what gets him in them on the court, but dude, you guys saw firsthand playing against him in Iowa State. We literally, we literally had a sit down with the Big Ten officials every single year. He comes into every Big Ten school. He sits down. He talks to us about. Rules of emphasis, rule changes, all the stuff, nuances behind the game of basketball, how they're being officiated, whatnot. And they talk about Mark guys. He literally said Anthony Cowan, I don't know if you remember him. He he was big on to like 
running into um, the secondary defender and falling down and throw up a layup, he would get a foul call all the time. So they changed that rule on verticality now where you have to go straight up. So he was a marked guy that year. Then Brad Davidson had all these issues with him hitting people in the nuts. Like he was elbowing people. He there's that there's that clip of him putting his foot under Jordan Murphy, a very right. great basketball player in Minnesota, and he he rolled his ankle on him. Like it was blatantly he's just, obvious. He's a menace, like to the degree of it being like this is a like a risk for people exactly at times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But long story short, the reason why I'm saying this is because going full circle. The head of officials literally came out and told us and said that Brad Davis is the mark guy this year. He can't get away with all the, you know, hook and hold stuff. Like there's rules and emphasis put in just because of him. There is a huge issue with him playing Iowa. He had a bunch of stuff along the way when he played against us. And I don't remember exactly what to degree that he when we played him this past year. But it happened again and we talked about it in the post press conference. And I said that Rick Boyages, the head of Big Ten officials, came to us and said he was a mark guy. How does he get away with all this? And then he comes out and says he never said that. So that's just what I'm saying. It's so corrupt in the back end because I know exactly what happens. Man, I didn't know they did that. That's crazy. Yeah. So how long does someone have to be in the league before it's like this guy's a marked guy? Like you have to have a big time. Like you really have to build it up, you know, before they're like, we're going to change the interpretation of the rules to take away this thing that you're doing that's a problem i, wonder I don't how know long... the yeah i don't know jared i don't know the exact degree of what it has to happen but i just know i know i i'm not why would i lie about that like it's pretty obvious right. he should be a marked guy in the league there's then... very, there's very few times i don't usually sit down on the floor when i cover games i sit up on i try and sit up on the concourse because i like to see mm-hmm. the floor from above and but that game i did sit right on the floor that wisconsin game it's very rare that i sit there and i watch the way someone acts on a basketball court like you said brad davison might be a great guy i don't know i don't know brad davison yeah. i've never interacted with him in my life but sitting right there watching the way that he would in, like the things that he would do on the court sometimes and the way he would talk to the officials and things like that i was like man like you're like this is like embarrassing bro like if i if i was if he was on my team i would be like bro shut the hell up just shut up stop talking to the refs stop doing all of these things just play the game you know yeah. Like I just that would drive me crazy. Someone that is complaining about the level of things that he does, and it's always happening. That would drive me nuts. Oh. But stuff like that happens. All like these players, they get called a certain way. Like Kofi Col- Coburn, he got away with so much. He also got fouled a ton that they didn't right. get called because he was so much bigger than everyone. Didn't look like a foul. But he was Kofi's these, a dog, dude. I yeah, love he, watching him play. Very he's great player. Yeah, his battles were with Luca were awesome. Yeah, always. that was that was really fun to watch him go at it. But man, like the things that they—it's just so backwards how they call one game one night and then the next night, and then the, the other thing, Jared, is with the officiating. They ref three to four games a, a week. Mm-hmm. Like they're traveling to Penn State, then they're coming to Iowa, then they're going to Michigan State. Like, tell me. Tell me they're suit. They're 45, 50 year old guys that are suit to ref three to four college basketball, high level college basketball games a week. Right. Cause you got to be up there as an athlete too, to get up and down with all these guys. Yeah. Uh, like, man, it's no joke, man. We just, we, we, I think we really got to the bottom of something there. Uh, we went in on the, <laughs> yeah, that was, was not expected at all uh, to, to have that entire discussion. That was a good conversation though. I think. Uh, all right. Let's just, let's kind of shift gears to some of these other stories. Uh, we were talking earlier about holding people accountable for uh, their mistakes in, in college athletics. Perfect story came out today. Uh, Ed Orgeron met with the, uh, I think it was called the Little Rock 
touchdown club. I have no idea what the little rack touchdown club is. I'm going to guess that they probably support uh, the university of Arkansas football program, but he was talking, they're giving some sort of talk and he, uh, he went on this tangent quote. I was so grateful for my time with LSU. That was my opportunity. Coaches have a shelf. Some coaches have 50 years. Some have 12. I had six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. They said, coach, things are not going well. Well, no shit. Ray Charles can see that brother. They were good. Scott Woodward is a friend of mine. Really a lot of respect for the way they handled me. This is the money portion of this quote. Uh, They said, coach, you got $17.1 million left on your contract. We're going to give it to you. And then he said, I said, what time do you want me to leave and what door do you want me to go out of, brother? Uh, Man, talk about holding people accountable. You know, Coach O's program really slipped off, (laughs) fell on some tough times, had to make a change. Here's $17.1 million for you as we walk out the door, my man. You know what's crazy, Jared? He's getting paid that much money to not coach. To not coach. Yeah. (laughs) That always blows my mind. He doesn't even have to – like, if he never wanted to coach again, Coach Go, Coach O could go be on TV and be good for the rest of his life on top of that $17.1 million because he'd make a lot of money doing TV too. So, I think he built, like, a huge, like, personality, like, aura about himself too that a lot of people loved. I think like, he's, like, the – I don't know what the Brian Kelly – they literally went, like, the opposite of what they mm-hmm. had before with him, I feel like, with well, it's personality. Like, yeah, it's like when Nebraska had Bo Pelini, they hired Mike Riley. He was just like the nice – he was like everybody's grandpa, you yeah. know. It's like they went from the fiery guy to the the old guy that was like going to make everybody happy. Uh, no, the he definitely had to make everyone happy. Well, and he didn't make anybody happy, so that, that was unfortunate. But, uh, <laughs> no, Co- Coach O definitely has that brand. And forever – like that 2019 LSU team will be remembered forever. That was probably one of the best college football teams I've ever seen in my life. They were – they played against Alabama. They're playing against Clemson, and you're, they're going into games, and you're like, man, ain't nobody's going to touch them. Nobody. Yeah, nobody yeah. can beat them. So he can live off that forever, that he had that one team and had his good shelf life of six years, according to him, which I think is maybe a little bit generous. Uh, but at least he got his $17.1 million. All right, we've got a couple uh, – or here, I'll, this is another one that's not quite the same. Uh, this was a funny tweet that came out the other night after – uh, Texas's win over um, over Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Quinn Ewers, the new starting quarterback at Texas, said, uh, "How did I get towed during the game?" <laughs> <laughs> this is this is actually really funny because I think a couple weeks ago, didn't the uni- the NCAA <laughs> say that the universities could start paying for parking tickets? <laughs> For student athletes, yeah, they did. Do you think the University of Texas paid to get Quinn Ewers' car back? How does this even happen? My thing is, he's—I <laughs> don't even know how to go about this story. Like, it no, is because hilarious. how did he drive to the game? It's not like he like he didn't drive to the game. He had to have rode the bus there. Where'd you leave your car? That it's gonna get towed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know how the layout is for the campus. This is this is a mystery. Now that I think of it. I would I want, to know, I want to know if Texas paid to get his car back. Like that's that's the biggest thing that I think is at the bottom of this. It's just I, it's so funny. Well, it's just the fact that you're playing in front of I don't know what their fans hold, but like hundred thousand, yeah, hundred thousand fans, and all this money is just going around you, and you just got your car towed during the game. <laughs> 
you brought the win home. Well, and to make it even worse, it's like, oh man, we got the win over Louisiana Monroe. Who do we got next week? Oh, we got to play Alabama. Name is that who they play? Mm-hmm. Oh no. And his car got towed. Not only does it did his car get towed, but he's got to face Will Anderson on Saturday. That ain't gonna be very fun. What was his stats? Do you have that up? Did he have uh, a good game? Quinn Ewers? Uh, yeah. yeah, he did have a pretty good game. Um, he wasn't – I mean, he didn't, like, blow the – you know, he didn't, he didn't blow the doors off it. But I think he had 200 – yeah, 225 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, QBR 72.4. Uh, we've good. learned how, how good that 72.4 is now. I, I had no idea how that entire system worked. But, uh, how does 1.1 even happen? Uh, yeah, that – I don't know how that mathematically is possible. It's got to be an outlier. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I feel like that's probably what the people at ESPN are like. We don't know how this happened. We're just going to put it down. <laughs> if all this stat- ever happens again, we'll be shocked. Like, all the statisticians are fumbling papers in the background, like making sure all the numbers are correct after they see the final tally. I just imagine, too, you know there was a, there's a coach out there who's like really – uh, just really upbeat about everything and he goes into practice on sunday or into film on sunday he's like hey fellas there's nowhere to go but up there's nowhere to go but up you know and it's like the most it's like the most demeaning passive aggressive way to to try and be like positive about the team but you're also like i mean yeah i guess you're right coach like there is there is nowhere to go but up yeah. what do you think what do you think coach Ferran said brian Ferran said to the offense after like they're watching oh, film man. on Monday, what do you think his first words were? I I guess I don't know them like well enough to be able to really guess, but I I don't envision them being super fiery people in the. I mean, maybe Brian. I can see maybe Brian being pretty fiery in the film room, but I mean, I think too that if you're a coach, don't you look at that and everybody there knows how bad it was. You know, do you really need to go in there and be a jackass and like? go off on everybody and hammer that home. That's one of those things. Everyone that walks in the film room knows that it sucked. You know, yeah. it's like, we don't even need to have the people yelling at us. I don't know. I do. I do have a quick story. I remember okay. we, lost to, we lost to Purdue by like 35 at home. Like they had Carson Edwards, like Thompson, Vincent Edwards, I think was on the team. They had some dogs on their team and they hit like 18, three pointers in our, in our home court. And we lost by like 37 that year. And I remember we we come to practice and watch film, or we always watch watch film um, after the games, right before practice the next day. So we walk in the film and we're like, "Fuck, this is gonna be the worst film session ever!" Like he's just gonna be chewing everyone out. Like this is gonna be miserable. He walks in and we're all just like on the edge of our seats. Coach McCaffrey walks in with his laser pointer. He goes, "All right, that was really bad. We're gonna move on." And we're all just like, "What?" <laughs> What just happened? Like we just lost, like we just got forty McNugget, McNugget meal, barbecue sauce in the bag, and he's not even gonna talk about it. It was unbelievable. He Jedi mind tricked you. I was, I was. Did so you guys old. come out and play well the next time? I don't remember. I think that was our fourteen and nineteen years, so probably not. <laughs> Fair enough. I was gonna say I'll look it up, but I'm sure it would be pretty easy to find. But uh, yeah. no, that's that's funny. All right, uh, enough of the. Uh, yeah, enough with that. Um, all right, we got two. I think we've got a couple of nominees here for Dumbass of the Week. The mm. first one is one that you sent me. Uh, a truly unbelievable story. A Sioux Falls man. <laughs> a Sioux Falls man was arrested last Wednesday uh, after he was attempting to rob a bank. 
he was taken into custody before he even had a chance to leave the scene of the crime, which, you know, respect to the people that were able to follow their protocol within that bank. Um, according to Dakota News Now, the suspect walked into the, short, the bank shortly before 11 a.m. That's that morning, claiming to have both a gun and a bomb and announced that he intended to rob the financial institution. One of the bank's employees was able to quickly send a silent alarm to law enforcement, notifying that a robbery was underway. While inside the bank, the suspect was able to load up a backpack he was carrying with some cash and proceeded to ask a customer inside the bank for keys to their car. That little getaway plan didn't go quite as expected as there were just enough delays throughout the entire process to allow off, uh, law enforcement officers to arrive at the scene. All right. First question here. Who the hell is robbing a bank in 2022? Like, what, what is the psychology that goes into the decision to rob a bank in a time where not only are they probably going to catch you before you even can get away, but two – they're going to easily identify you afterwards, even if they if you think that you got away with it. What do you think this guy was thinking when he walked into that bank in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and was like, yeah, I'm here for the money? I, I, I don't I've never heard of any story. I don't even know how to go about this because I haven't heard of a story of a bank robbery being successful in the last decade. Like, has it happened? Dude, not that like, I, I mean, no not one that does I this anymore. Aware of. No. Grand Theft Auto, maybe. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I'm sure they're always robbing banks on there. But now, I mean, I haven't heard of a successful bank robbery. And I, I mean, I have no idea when the last one would have been. But then it's like all of a sudden these people think they're Jesse James or something. They're going to walk in <laughs> like it's the Wild West and they're going to rob the bank. Like that's not how it works, man. You know, I don't think you're just making a bad decision. You're just making a bad decision that's probably going to cost you a lot of time in your life. It, I, this is a, a very dumbass move to think that you're going to rob the bank, let alone be able to get away with it. And to, and to escalate it, you say you have a bomb too. Like that just takes it to a whole other level of seriousness. Like I, I just, I don't understand. I don't get it. How, did you think that you were going to get away with it? I, I have no words for this one. I think, I don't even think banks carry money any, like a lot of money anymore. Do they like in their probably vaults? not enough for it to be worth it to try and rob it. <laughs> and say you have a bomb yeah no definitely not enough then because like then you're bordering it's like terroristic threats and stuff like that like you're going yeah. into a whole nother level of the law at that point yeah that guy's a dumbass all right uh this is another one i'm not 100 percent sure where this came from uh it looks like it's somewhere in iowa but it says uh the headline is two men arrested after a reported fight in restroom at local high school football game uh, it says two men have been arrested after a reported fight inside a restroom at a local high school football game. According to Washington County dispatch records, just after 8 p.m. Friday night, a caller reported being attacked in the men's room at the Highland versus Columbus game on Vine Avenue. The victim was not injured and reported the suspect had likely fled towards Riverside. What prompts a fight in the bathroom at the high school football game? Were they opponents of both teams? I would, I would assume so. I feel like that's probably safe. But like, what do you, how do you start a fight in the bathroom? You there see this guy and it's like oh, he's at the urinal and you're like, hey, we're going to fight down. you. <laughs> I'm fighting you right here over a high school football game that one of the teams won 55 to zero. Have you have you seen a, a get hard with Will Ferrell? And Kevin yeah, Hart? yeah. It's like yeah. when Will Ferrell is like coming up to that guy in the park. He's like, I'm going to fight you. I feel like I'm in, I'm in, I'm imagining that's how it happened. And the guy's just sitting, he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. The person who got attacked is like, what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? 
That's what my reaction would. And if anyone ever wanted to fight me, my reaction would be, "What are you talking about, man? Why yeah. are you like? Why do you want to fight me? Yeah, just uh, just go the other way. Yeah, go, this is go not watch how your we son re- play. Yeah, go right. Go watch the football game. Like I'm. Come on, man. Like, what is the point of us fighting in this bathroom right now? Was it at halftime? Did it say? Uh, it did. No, it just says at eight p.m. It doesn't say halftime specifically. So I don't know. I don't know for some like some for some reason these guys both just happen to be in the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> this appears to be in Eastern Iowa. The, the ads on here for Coralville, so I'd assume that it's somewhere over in that in that area around Iowa City. I don't know. You guys got weird stuff going on over there. I guess we need, we need fighting to get those in the bathroom. The the, yeah, those guys school. on the show. Let them talk through it. Oh man, we just need to work this out, fellas. It's yeah, okay. We can mediate it between between right. the two of us. All right, this last one. Uh, we came up with a new thing it's uh i don't know if we'll be able to find one every week but there's always stuff that's being stolen it's gonna be our black market item of the week uh people are stealing things in mass just all kinds of random stuff i saw last week there was somebody that stole a bunch of seafood this week in iowa uh, someone stole one hundred thousand dollars worth of pork from an iowa pork packaging plant uh this story from the uh, Des Moines Register says three semi-trailers worth of pork product were stolen from an Atumwa plant Thursday, totaling over $100,000 in stolen meat. Uh, police believe the semi was used to steal three semi-trailers that were filled with over $100,000 in pork product ready to be distributed. Authorities, authorities recovered two of the stolen trailers at the Black Hawk River Access in Atumwa. The last trailer was found in Wapalo County near intersection, the intersection of 87th Street and 170th Street or Avenue. All the pork product had been removed. So not only have they found, they did find two of the trailers, they have not found the pork product. If your local neighborhood pork dealer <laughs> looks like he's on the up, then call your local authorities. We might have some questions to ask him about the pork product stolen from Atumwa. $100,000. That is insane worth of pork. And for him to be able to ditch the two trailers too, that tells me he was, he had a plan. He had a plan of what he was going to do to get this pork and how he was going to get it out of there and do it undetected. See, this is a guy I can see pull up a bank robbery. And I like the guy in Sioux Falls. This guy's like Ocean's Eleven to be able to get this and to dump the trucks in different locations and then be able to move the pork products out and then keep going on. Like this is, this had to have had multiple people involved. Yeah, How do you? No, he, like, I don't know. There's several moving parts for this to be pulled off, and he managed to get it all taken care of. How do you unload the pork? You think? Like, what do you do now? You have all the pork. You got it all out of the out of the plant. You were able to execute your getaway with your with the trucks. Now you just have a hundred thousand dollars of pork. How do you unload that? You think? You would think if there's that big of like amount of asset like pork. Like, obviously, I don't know, like, how is there no cameras or anything to see the guy doing it if there's that amount of money involved with your product? That's a question that I I feel like there's a lot of questions you could probably ask some of those kinds of places that it's like, why didn't you have better security for this? So, yeah, so the dumbass of the the week candidate should be the The owner of the... Yeah, the pork plant that didn't lock up their pork. (laughs) I Hey... If you get a good deal on some ribs, let me know. If I, that's all I'm going to say. So anybody out there has a good deal on some <laughs> Where ribs? Where is he, Jared, <laughs> next week on the camera? He's just eating ribs. If, like, oh, hey, Jared, where do we get those? I'll take you guys down. I'll show you my deep freeze. It'll just be packed full of pork. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good deal, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. I know a guy. Yeah. I just, hey, 
I know a guy who knows a guy. I was able to get some good pork. It's really good stuff. <laughs> they say it's from Matumwa. Unreal. All right, man. Uh, it's been fun. We'll uh, hopefully Saturday goes well. Uh, well, I mean, it will go well for one of us. Uh, hopefully it, it's not too dramatic and stress-filled, which I'm sure that it probably will be. But we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Thanks again for Prairie Meadows. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been J-Bo and Jared on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.